Hi there, we're surfing TikTok tonight. I had him like the comments where it says it's beautiful, right? So, miss, I just broke your shit down. My name is Eric Stone. Dulces. Major trick of warning. This white woman goes around a bunch of slave plantations in Georgia. So, in case you haven't heard it on the news, a group of about 200 Tuscaloosa, Alabama high school students stage a walkout. Why did they stage a walkout? They were told to omit certain events in a black history program. Events such as slavery and the civil rights movement. Damn. America's hateful and repulsive past needs to be taught. It needs to be educated, not for the purpose of perpetuating hate, but for the purpose of keeping history from repeating itself. If people don't know our past, it inhibits our progress to move forward in the future. I hope more students, not just in Alabama, but around the country get the message. Keep walking the hell out, babies. I love it. Do not allow them to continue to try to erase our history. Your protests were monumental, powerful, and your voices were heard. Keep up the good work. In the words of D.L. Hughley, there was a time in our history that the enslaved were not allowed to learn. Now they don't want us to learn about the enslaved. Woo. So in case you haven't heard it on the news, this a group of about Alabama 200 Nick. Tuscaloosa, Alabama high school students so when can you record the police in British Columbia? The answer is very simple. You can record the police anytime you want in British Columbia, provided you're in a public place. If you're on the street, if you're... I keep seeing all these videos about, what if uh, people attack America? And it's not going to work because Americans are crazy and very well armed. And I just... Like, I don't think people realize what we mean when we say that we're well armed. I'm not really sure what I'm allowed to say in regards to this on TikTok without getting banned or like whatever. But I will say this, I live in the South and in the South you know your neighbor. Whether or not you want to, you know your neighbor, okay? I live in a, in a subdivision. There's at least a thousand houses in this one little subdivision, okay? I live on the outside of this little subdivision, a little cul-de-sac, and of all the ten houses in my little beep beep, minimum ten per... Don't watch this video if you want to be in a good mood because this is a really tragic story. This past weekend, a high schooler from Tennessee was here for a volleyball tournament where she was hit by a car and the damage and the injuries caused both of her legs to be amputated. The driver that was accused of hitting her was out on bond, so theoretically, it could have been avoidable if he wasn't given bond. But it's hard to anticipate that for what someone's going to do when they're out on bond. I have pretty intimate knowledge about this, and this guy was out on bond for a robbery case that was supposed to go to trial, but it was dismissed and refiled because the state, the prosecutor's office, wasn't ready to go to trial. The driver that hit this poor girl had over 20 bond violations. Usually when a person has a bond violation, the prosecutor notifies the court and they have a hearing whether the judge is going to revoke the bond or not. Here that didn't happen and the court was never notified and we don't know why. This guy didn't have valid insurance and he was driving without a valid license. So the only way this poor girl is going to recover for losing her legs and her chance at playing in college and more is if she can show that the city was liable for letting this guy be out on bond and not reporting it to the judge. If the family has uninsured motorist coverage, they may be able to use that as well to cover her medical bills, which I'm sure will be extensive because of the double amputation. The problem with holding the city legally liable is that they have to overcome certain immunities, basically showing the prosecutor's office intended this to happen and maliciously didn't report the bond violations 
It's a very high burden to overcome for this immunity. St. Louis City Prosecutor's Office has quite the history of criticism that they've received. I know they're understaffed and underpaid and overassigned cases that they can't all manage. Like, it, that something's got to change. The system is not working. If this guy had had his bond revoked on any of the 20 violations, this poor girl might still have her legs. Who do you think should be liable? Don't watch this video if you want to be in a good mood because this is a really tragic story. Morning, Your Honor. Your lawyer? This is my dad. Okay, let me see. I think this, actually he's in the wrestling hall thing he's here with to, you. He, he's here to pay the ticket? <laughs> Maybe. Huh? Hope not. I hope we don't have to. <laughs> are, are you here to testify as to her character? Uh, yeah. She's I a judge. character? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were charged with going through a red light on Pleasant Valley Parkway and Valley Street. I was, yeah. So um, that day, I was bringing my dad to the emergency room. So um, so you brought it. So you are Exhibit One. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn, mark mark the calendar. Exhibit One, right? So okay. mark, Judge. Uh, and. So, um, what was the matter? What was the matter? He had a headache? Um, he was just, he was having a medical emergency. Okay. So, um, he was at our local doctor's office and I was at work and they called me and they said they could call an ambulance, but they'd rather have me bring him in. So, all right. So, I your father had a, a we're in. not, we're not probing as to what it was, but yeah, that's personal. Yeah. But he looks like a pretty healthy guy to me. It looks like he could, uh, I don't know. <laughs> looks like he could take on yeah. Haystack Calhoun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're in the Hall of Fame together, wrestling Hall of Fame together. Yeah. yeah. Where did you wrestle? Warren. Warren? Yeah. You were an All-Stater? And state champion two yeah. times. That's good. And you are in the Rhode Island Wrestling Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah, with you. Yeah. yeah. Since you brought it up, I mean, yeah. it's not something I go around saying, but since you brought it up, yes, I am in the Rhode Island Wrestling Hall of Fame, right? And... Uh, Sometimes I need those. I need some moves over here with some of the people I, I get you. Yeah. So let me break this down for you. On the evening of February 3rd, 50 cars of a Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, near the border with Pennsylvania, starting a large fire, with firefighters not able to immediately address the blaze because some of the train's cars were carrying toxic chemicals. This including vinyl chloride, a toxic flammable gas that's known to cause cancer in humans. It's typically used to make certain plastics like PVC, and while studies have shown it is most dangerous in high volume for prolonged exposure, it emits dangerous byproducts when ignited, with one of the most concerning byproducts being phosgene, a chemical that was literally weaponized in World War One and can cause vomiting and breathing trouble, and another being hydrogen chloride, which can irritate the skin, eyes, nose, and throat. So with this, you had Ohio officials announcing that they would be doing a controlled release of vinyl chloride to prevent a more dangerous situation. With Ohio Governor Mike DeWine explaining in a statement last Monday, the vinyl chloride contents of five rail cars are currently unstable and could potentially explode, causing deadly disbursement of shrapnel and toxic fumes. And going on to say that the controlled release process involves the burning of the rail cars as chemicals, which will release fumes into the air that can be deadly if inhaled. So as a result, all the residents in a one-by-two-mile radius were told to evacuate or face arrest. This including the nearly 5,000 residents of East Palestine, as well as others in Pennsylvania's Darlington Township who were within the blast zone. But honestly, being arrested would probably be the least of someone's worries if they actually tried to stay. With DeWine warning they could face death or be at a high risk of severe injury, including skin burns and serious lung damage. And later that day, we saw officials conducting that controlled release, which caused a very alarming-looking plume that was so thick it was recorded by the satellite of the National Weather Service Cleveland. But by Monday, the Norfolk Southern Railroad said the release had been completed successfully. And on Wednesday, you had a representative for the
for the Environmental Protection Agency saying it was collecting air samples and all of the readings we've been recording in the community have been at normal concentrations, normal backgrounds, which you find in almost any community. DeWine also echoing that in a statement the same day informing all evacuees they could return home and saying, air quality samples in the area of the wreckage and in nearby residential neighborhoods have consistently showed readings at points below safety screening levels for contaminants of concern. Based on this information, state and local health officials determined that it is now safe for community members to return to their residences. And saying that air monitoring will continue and that residents can have the air in their homes as well as water in private wells tested for free. So by all official accounts, everything's totally fine. But many residents were understandably wary, especially amid reports of lingering negative effects. And a key thing I really want to hit on is that this situation is very weird and sticky right now. Because a lot of the reporting here is coming from unverified claims circulating on social media, but also official sources have been oddly quiet about addressing these stories or even really providing follow-ups. So with that said, you know, we've seen reports of livestock and wild animals becoming sick and even dying since the derailment. Though again, many of those claims come from unverified sources and pictures on social media. But also, an official did confirm that dead fish had been spotted in nearby waterways, with the EPA also saying some of the chemicals carried by the trains had seeped into the waterways and were immediately toxic to fish. But they also claimed it had taken actions to minimize that and that drinking water was protected. Meanwhile, residents have told news outlets about lingering odors, with one telling the Washington Post that on some nights the air smells like an over-chlorinated swimming pool and his eyes burn. And so some residents who have the ability to go elsewhere have opted not to return to their homes for the time being, with one telling the Post, the amount of chemicals that were spilled and burned don't simply just go away. I don't believe there is any way to know the full effect until enough time passes. And that just isn't worth the risk. And here's a key thing. That is not a concern of just some random Joe Blow. That concern has also been echoed by experts who say that any residual chemical emissions pose a danger to people in the area. With Dana Barr, professor of environmental health, explaining, if you have a very small amount of vinyl chloride that was present in an area, it would evaporate within minutes to hours at the longest. But the problem they're facing here is that it's not just a small amount. And so if they can't contain what gets into the water or what gets into the soil, they may have this continuous off-gassing of vinyl chloride that has gotten into these areas. And adding, I probably would be more concerned about the chemicals in the air over the course of the next month. Other experts have also voiced their worries about the possibility that the plume may have created dioxins, which are formed from burning chlorinated carbon materials. Right, and very notably, not only are dioxins actually worse carcinogens than vinyl chloride, they stay in the ground and body for years. And in addition to dioxins, some leaders in public health have also flagged the possibility of uncombusted vinyl chloride vapors hanging around the area. This including Dr. Lynn Goldman, the dean of George Washington University's School of Public Health, saying, until there's been a thorough assessment, the soot, as well as any other materials, should, in my opinion, be treated as contaminated by vinyl chloride and or dioxins or other contaminants until proven otherwise. And this is both leading experts and local residents have expressed skepticism about whether the EPA has enough data to actually determine if the area is safe. And to that point, the whole situation has been further complicated by the way that officials have been handling a lot of the information. Right? The EPA has not even released a full list of chemicals the train was carrying, a fact that a former EPA regional administrator called unconscionable. Well, this has also not been published by the National Transportation Safety Board. And this lack of knowing is creating a lot of doubt, skepticism, and theories that officials are not being fully transparent. Theories which were further stoked by a bizarre incident we talked about last week where a reporter was arrested during a news conference where DeWine was discussing the derailment. And unfortunately, this is just where we are now, and we're going to have to wait to see what new information they put out there and how everything plays out. And unfortunately, it's not like a wait and see, you know, that's going to be kind of interesting. It's, you know, the small matter of... Wow, great job! Exclamation points. You sure speak fast, smiley face. But it is easy to keep up.
This is another environmental disaster that government officials mishandled and end up harming a lot of people. And in the meantime, there are already several lawsuits floating around, including one seeking medical testing and another that accuses Norfolk Southern of negligence. With many different groups saying that this should be a warning for possible train derailments that are due to corporate interests gutting rail protections. Which is something that we're going to talk about, but I mean, even that alone could fill an entire show. So for now, this is where we are, and I'll pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with all this? And, so let me break this down for you. On the evening of February 3rd, 50 Binky. cars of a Norfolk Southern... This is Binky Marie. Let's see the... It's only got seven comments shows you how much our government cares about Elio him. sat quietly in the courtroom as both his parents testified on his behalf the former Orlando police officer is awaiting sentencing after a jury found him guilty of felony battery for kneeing this man Robert Lease in the stomach Lease was handcuffed in a holding cell at the time and later needed surgery for a ruptured spleen Please do not let his stoic appearance lead you to believe that he is not deeply sorry for the injury that he caused Mr. Lease. We all are. He's not a cruel man. He's not, a, he's not an unjust man. He just was just in the wrong place at the right time. Delio also took the stand, saying he never meant any harm and feels sure. sick when he sees the video. I understand why the jury made the decision they did. It's clear to me why they did. Yeah. I was wrong and I caused your injury, sir. And I am deeply sorry that I did and that you had to suffer through that. The defense attorney and prosecutor spent a long time debating over what kind of punishment Delio deserves, but the judge ultimately decided to sentence him to 51 weeks in county jail, followed by probation. He'll also have to attend anger management class and pay restitution. Huh. Peter Delio sat quietly in the courtroom as both his parents testified on his behalf. The former... Shut it all down. Exclamation point. Fire half of the police force. Comma, hire back women and social workers. A lot of people ask me why I do what I do. It's not because I watch woke liberal news or CNN or any entity like that. It's because of personal life experiences. I've interacted with cops, God knows how many times I've lost count. And in those times, I ran away from cops on foot. I had pursuits in the car, drugs in the car, guns in the car. I drove around with no license plate, no license plate for a fucking year. No insurance. I've had a Glock in my hand and 16 rifles pointing at me from fucking cops. Now one of those motherfuckers pulled the trigger. Hmm. And I asked myself, why did I go through these things? Why did I make those decisions? Why am I still alive? And I've come to realize God put me through those things to tell my story, to wake white people up. Mm -hmm. Because they know what's going on, but they don't want to change the system because they benefit from the fucking system. Like, why would I want to change the system if I fucking benefit from it? Make it make sense. And this isn't just a car problem. 
Very this true. Is a society problem. America with three Ks. I know plenty of buildings. Fuck it, I lived in one. But they weren't allowed black people to move in. I bring my black friends over. What's the problem? Bands would address me. White friends, no problem. They give my ex shit because she was a Latina. The locals, the residents of that building thought she was a maid. Hmm. I've dealt with this in Republican states, liberal states, red and blue. That's all they're saying. I'm going to end it on this. Because I could go in detail on all these stories, but there's no fucking point. Because you see what's going on. But you silence. You remind me of Christopher Walken. And with your silence, you are compliant. Because it doesn't affect you. White people always say, well, just comply, just do this, just do that, don't do drugs. That is as if white people don't do that shit them fucking selves. I come from a Christian conservative background, and I know so many fucking white people who are on drugs, who are doing crime, and they get idolized for that shit. And they're doing that shit because there ain't nothing else to fucking do in those small towns. Not justifying it, it's just the fucking truth. <laughs> and we idolize these people. We put them in movies and TV shows. We cheer for them to get the fuck out of prison. But as soon as a black person's doing it, oh, he's a criminal, he's a thug, he's a gangster, he's a drug addict. Yet we have sympathy the ones who look just like us because we see ourselves in them these are the things black people know I ain't telling them nothing new these are things white people know but they stand compliant We must end white supremacy in this fucking country and the fucking world. And when they say, when white people say, well, keep it peaceful, protest peacefully, they have always demonized and dehumanized. Anyway, black people are protesting. Hello. Come on in. Martin Luther Hello. King was assassinated. Hello. Come on in. Come on in. Here you go. M That's see my little birdie. Where? That's oh. Champ. Hi, Champ. <laughs> what is that one? Um, it's a it's a runt. It is. <laughs> Just like an eagle.
Yeah, oh, he's covered up next hungry. to you. He's like, let me get closer. He's cute. Look at, look, at, look at his eyes. It's got like dark under his eyes. So yeah. it looks like his eyes are really big. Is he nice? nice yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cutie pie. Nice. You don't want to get up. No, he's good. He's like, no, not too tired. What's this? Weed? Yeah. Yeah. I got those ones. I'm going to shake the things off of them. I haven't done it yet, but I got I got him in there to do it. How's these going? Oh, uh, I, I, you know, I haven't checked them out. You haven't looked? I haven't, uh, no. See what the humidity is. Actually, it'd be a good time to candle them and see. Humidity's only 10%. You gotta watch it. 10% uh, in here now. That so that means the water's gone. Oh. So you gotta go lift this up. There's some water over there. Oh, okay. So I see a problem here. You've got so many eggs on there that uh -huh. they're actually not turning. I don't think they are. So I moved them over a little bit here. Okay, so then, so then, I'd say they need to be a little further apart. Then, okay, so beyond that, maybe they need something to. Okay, so I say it stopped running at those. Oh, so there's there's water in there. So the humidity's got to be higher than we think. This thing's not measuring right. Let's try to heat up again. This thing's not measuring right, I think. Because I got it on the outside, I think it's not measuring right. 17%, it says. It says it's only 75 degrees, but that's because I opened the lid. Mm -hmm. Now to get back to temperature. It leaves until it gets back right to temperature. temperature. Yeah, mean... it gets back there and stops. I think you have to open this hole right here on the top of it. Yeah. To let some of it steep off. Hmm. So we'll see. Okay, 30. 32.7. Damn, this will cool down quick. 37.2. You want a candle? Huh? Want a, want okay, a so candle? there goes the humidity. I opened the lid up. Mm -hmm. Now the humidity is up to 39%. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then in then um, 42. That's about right. So 50% humidity. 76. It's heating up. 34, 35. 36. It's going. It's, it's heating back up. Anyways, so I'm going to try to drop those off to you. Uh, um, what else was it? Uh, uh, yeah, so... We could get the... We can get the Tesla. Will's got... We come up with 11400 Okay? And I, I got... Will, he's going to do the thing tomorrow. What thing? To, uh, to see if he can get it alone uh -huh. for just eleven or mm -hmm. for 12 We got the paperwork for it. Mm -hmm. I ran for you, too. So I did one that said no. It said no credit check, right? Mm -hmm. So... And you got approved for thirty-two thousand uh, <clears throat> through Carvana. They'll deliver it here for you. There's Teslas, even older Teslas, two thousand twenty ones and twenties, and even a twenty-two for thirty-one. Maybe we think you know because we're gonna lose a deposit from the. It's it's on his credit card, but we're gonna lose a deposit from from Tesla if we don't go. The guy was a real asshole on the phone to me. It's the third time I've been treated like shit by Tesla, by Tesla employees. I've been treated like shit three times now. I'm fucking over it. I'm over it. The guy talked to me like shit. The guy talked to me oh, like, well, maybe you just could get a loan through your broken private loan. I said, because they put your credit scores wrong. Uh -huh. I said, motherfucker, the credit score is like six something. He goes, those are, those are just a guesstimate. I said, it ain't no 589. So I don't know what you're talking about. That is not even close to possible. Uh -huh. the, the credit scores never drop. And he's like, That's, he goes, those things are accurate. I go, oh, apparently they're not. I'm like, there's no way. It's impossible. Well, you, you caught him out. You yeah, he didn't like it. Out, so, yep, yeah. he didn't like it. 
He sure didn't like it. And I think that he says, well, we don't do that. You can just do it on its own. Bullshit. Somebody did that shit, man. I'm just so, I've almost had it with, with Tesla at this point because they're, they're just not, they're just, their sales, I, I wrote Elon Musk. I've already told him. I'm going to tell him again. If this sale don't go through, I'm going to tell that motherfucker again that I can't take it. What the hell is in here? Are those burn marks in the bottom of the can? Oh, look like eggs in there. That was weird. Huh? Look like eggs in, in the bottom of the pan. Uh, I don't know, it's black marks on the bottom of it. Oh, burned, yeah. Were you sleeping just now? No. Oh. <sighs> Alright, then I'll be, I'll be get up in the morning and... Hey, yeah. Hanky, Hanky, he's been doing good. He's not bleeding anymore. Hey. He, he bled a little this morning. Where did he, he took the t thing off? Where's the collar? Oh, we need it back on him. It has to stay yeah, on him. Yeah, I know. It has to stay on him. Uh, it's hard to put a string on the thing. Like a, well, a thread? Is it what a thread? Is huh? it a thread? Maybe I they tried just to need put to be it tied together uh, on the on the uh, it needs it's supposed to go in his collar. If he had a collar, is that the, no, the metal I'm, piece? No, I'm talking about in? like a little string around it. I don't know. The, in the morning we'll do the it blood again. I'll find blister. It. I haven't seen it. Have you seen no, it? No, I'm talking about the blood blister. Oh, he needs to fucking not chew on it, so that thing's got to go back on him. That's what he chewed it. Now he's he's made it fresh again. It needs to heal up. He'll stop chewing it. He's you know he bled to date, huh? He bled before it fell off. No way. Yeah, he did. How can he There's get some to it? blood he can't on the floor. It. He can't. Well, it's healing. It's healing. It, I, I looked at it. It looked, it looked way more healed than it ever looked. Uh, yeah, it looks smaller. Yeah. But I still can't find the antibiotics. Huh? I still can't find the antibiotics. Okay. And I need some more wet food. Malcolm X was assassinated. And the only way I ever stopped my bullies from bullying me was kicking their ass. And if they, they ever got the balls to fucking do it again, and they did, I kicked their ass again. And they never fucked with me ever. Take that how you want to take it. <laughs> My name's Eric Stone. Dos. A lot of people ask me why I do what I do. Like two? It's not because I watch woke liberal news or CNN or anything. You are a man and you can't pay all the bills. I do not want you to join any masculine, modern women conversations. If you are not a man that can provide a safe space for her to be vulnerable enough to embrace her femininity with you, then shut the f*** up. If you don't provide and protect emotionally, financially, spiritually, at a high level, shut the f*** up from a woman that, that can provide for herself. Quit complaining about these independent women. If you not a man, is going to be a solution to that. The reason why there's so many independent women out here is because like you be so not dependable if you provide her with a hard life don't complain about the fact that she when she come in your life she not being soft you want a woman to be submissive to you when you can't even submit the full rent payment all y'all do is offer stress and headaches and wondering why this woman ain't your peace you are a man and you can't pay all the bills i do not want you to join any masculine modern women conversation life skills i wish i knew before starting work as a doctor number one your colleagues are not your friends number two don't overshare at work 
we all occasionally get affected by something and feel like you need to rant or share your experience and reflect as openly as you feel safe to do so thinking this is a good environment everyone's caring you know it's a caring job it's an empathetic job who better to listen to how you're feeling but actually don't overshare because you never know when that person is going to use that as leverage number three never let them know your next move if you have certain plans in life and there's things that you're doing or you just want to share things go to your family talk to your family and friends in a safer environment um, if people ask you specific questions at work about what you do, extracurricular, or they want to know about your side hustle, your business, don't tell them. Don't tell them everything. They may seem genuine in their approach, and they genuinely may be genuine in their approach, but that's not the place to share that kind of information, and just keep yourself safe. Number four, always document everything. If you see a patient, or any interaction that you have, make sure you document the hell out of it. Write down exactly which senior or anyone that you asked advice from and document everything. I've not had issues with regard to this, but I've heard of colleagues who have had really serious situations where they've documented that this is what has saved them because the senior person then denies all responsibility and then suddenly you're in the thick of it. Number five, plan your career wisely and start early with publications, audits, etc. Because it's such a long haul that at some point you're going to feel burnt out and not bothered to do any of this. <laughs> I forgot what number we're on, but um, if you ever need help or advice, I'm going to end this video with saying go to occupational health, get a therapist, um, find a new hobby, do something else. You know, work is not that place. You just go to work, do your job, do your thing, then leave. Don't forget to support this page by liking and also commenting what you would like me to do next and whether or not you actually like content like this and also share with someone who needs to hear this if you know a medic in your life. <laughs> so if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Where, wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. Okay, so black people are the hate group. They're the ones who enslave white people. They're the ones who create segregation against white people. They're the ones who bomb white cities to the fucking ground for fucking white women, right? Oh, wait, no. It's the other way the fuck around. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where, you know, I have a very low black population. Because unfortunately, there, you know, there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon when, when he notes that the when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. Uh, yeah, white guy here who's lived in all black neighborhoods and all white neighborhoods. Uh, never in my years of living in an all black neighborhood did I ever encounter any kind of violence towards me or was I ever in fear for my fucking life. In fact, they all... Huh? Puffy milk? Puffy, what the fuck is puffy? Oh. Oh, no. 
Oh yeah, it's long gone. Why are you trying to feed? One of the puppies is is out and like not she's not taking care of it. So I'm like I don't know what to do. Like I found it in a in a fucking blanket wrapped up, and she fucking she's not a good mom. She's not a good mom at all. I'm fucking pissed. I'm like Sophia, if you don't care, she wants to run out and do things that she's doing, and she's a fucking butthole for that shit. She's a butthole. And uh, I could have swore there was a there's some some of it left. I put some, uh, I, I made some, uh, like chicken broth and, and, uh, some buns for her yesterday. Okay, cool. Put it underneath the, put it underneath the Nomad. Well, welcome to me, and they always treated me with fucking respect, and always made sure that I had food on my fucking table, even if I went days without fucking food. Now, however, in white neighborhoods, I got in many fucking altercations, many fucking fights, and if I did fucking suffer or was struggling, white people always said, well, if I have to suffer, you have to fucking suffer. I think it makes no sense whatsoever, as a uh, white citizen of America, to try to help black citizens anymore. And so I, I'm gonna... Uh, I'm going to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like I've been doing it all my life and I've been, the only outcome is I, be, I get called a racist. Question, when did you ever help black people? Because I was making your stupid ass little cartoons, which by the way, didn't even help fucking black people. Also, white people can't take credit for helping black people when black people had to fight for the equal rights, which they still don't have all their fucking equal rights today. But every damn day, I look on social media and there's some black person beating the shit out of some white person. I'm kind of over it. I'm over it. And every damn day there's some stupid ass white person being racist like you. And every other damn day there's some cop killing a black person. And every other fucking day there's a Karen being racist. And I'm so sick and tired of white people acting like they're the fucking victims when they're the ones who did the oppression, when they're the ones who did the colonization, when they're the ones who did every other motherfucking thing wrong to every other groups of people, when they are the fucking vicious people, when they are the violent ones. Fuck you, Dulces. So if, if you're nearly half of all blacks... Julie, finish this sentence. You told Hoppo... To beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not she saw the movie, the baby. Okay, this is a song lyric. Uh oh. I got five. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is a jerry curl? Oh, that's a hairstyle. Corals. What are those? They're braids. Yes, I lie. Alright, what should you not touch on a black woman? Their hair. What are chitterlings? Oh, they're pig. Guts. Name three of your favorite black actors. Denzel Washington. Of course. Octavia Spencer. Yes. And Viola Davis. If you go to church on Sunday mm -hmm. at 10 a.m., what time are you expecting to leave church? Two or three. Answer wrong. <laughs> okay. You won't leave until Monday. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm Methodist. We get out in 45 minutes. How do you get to Cracker Barrel before the Baptist do? Not the Cracker Barrel. I know I'm right. Woo, scary. <laughs> Julie, finish this sentence. You told Hoppo to beat me. <laughs> Since I cut my mom off, do I have a relationship with my dad? Well, let me tell you. 
Tonight I saw a daughter and a father at a gas station buying snacks and I broke down in tears because I grew up with the best dad ever. I grew up with a dad who's saying, man, I'm glad I'm not a woman. To the point where I then grew up for the, my entire life thinking that the lyrics were, man, I'm glad I'm not a woman. I grew up with a dad who bought me my tampons. I grew up with a dad who showed up when I was in labor. I grew up with a dad who jumped on the first flight when he found out I was in labor. Having my child in Japan, he jumped on the first flight to surprise me. I grew up with a dad who sang to me that I was his sunshine. I grew up with a dad who woke me up at 5 a.m. to go golfing with him, went to every single home football game for our college team in our town. So yeah, I grew up with an amazing dad. And tonight I just sobbed because overwhelming amount of memories flooded my brain about when I was that age with my dad. I've always said my dad has been my mom and my dad for me my whole life. When I have aches and pains, I call him still to this day at 4 in the morning. I may have had a shitty mom, but I sure as hell didn't have a shitty dad. And not only that, he set the bar so high for what type of man to marry, which is why I did not settle until I found my husband. He's the one that got me my Easter basket stuff, my Valentine's Day stuff. He would personalize our wrapping paper with our faces growing up. Yeah, I had a great dad. Since I cut my mom off, do I have a... Here's how to turn an enemy into a friend. It's called the Benjamin Franklin effect. Super smart dude, right? Well, it goes like this. Most people think that the way you get someone to like you is to do favors for them. Ben Franklin knew different. Ben Franklin had a very strong political rival who was hell-bent on making his life miserable. And so this forefather knew it would be a good idea to get this guy on his side. But did he result to flattery and trying to do favors oh. for him? Nope. Instead, he asked the rival to do a favor for him. He actually just asked to borrow a cool book. And what this does uh, is the rival suddenly is like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be my enemy. Why would I do a favor for you? But he's like, oh, well, he just wants this book, so he gives it to him. And then over time, in his subconscious, his perception of him shifts because we do favors for people we like. And so Ben Franklin goes from being in his subconscious, from being someone he loathes, to someone he kind of appreciates. You know, here he is liking the same book. And this guy gets that warm glow saying, hey, I, I got to educate Ben Franklin. He borrowed a book from me, you know. <laughs> So it's a win-win. Here's how to turn an enemy. Y'all, this story breaking out of Opelika, Alabama, a town where I spent a lot of my childhood and frequent quite often, is bizarre and sickening at the same time. In January 2012, police were called to a trailer park residence where they found skeletal remains. The remains were identified of that to be of a little girl, approximately five to six years old. The autopsy results produced that she had suffered long-term brutal abuse and died from blunt force trauma. Poor baby. From the condition of her skeletal remains, they were unable to produce a DNA profile. Mind you, this is 2012. To investigators working on the case and the residents of Opelika, she became baby Jane Doe. Nobody really came forward with any positive leads, so the case remained open to present day. 
finally, some 10 years later, last month as a matter of fact, they were able to produce a positive DNA profile. The little girl was identified to be Amor Wiggins, and she was approximately five to six years old when she was killed. This is where the story takes a creepy, sick turn. The DNA was linked to her father, Lamar Vickerstaff, who was in a DNA database. Turns out this fool and his wife, Ruth Vickerstaff, had full custody of the child since 2009 from her estranged mother who lives in Virginia. Which means he knew his child went missing. And his wife did too. They abused and killed that little girl around late 2011 and just went on living their lives. Lamar Vickerstaff is currently serving in the United States Navy and that's where he was arrested in Mayport, Florida. He was arrested and is being charged with felony murder and his wife Ruth Vickerstaff is being charged with failure to report a missing child. But I know she had something to do with it. And it gets even crazier. This dude was still receiving dependent pay from his missing child and he was also receiving child support from her estranged mother up until present day. Sickening. You're getting money for your child from two sources and you know you killed him. I mean, sickening. How can you live with yourself? The couple is going to be extradited from Florida to Lee County, Alabama, where they'll face charges. And baby Amore will finally get the justice she deserves. Well done, detectives. Well done, forensics. And Petty Officer Vickerstaff, I hope you get that retirement you deserve, and I hope you burn in hell. Y'all? Right, people. Don't look at my hair. But if you claim to have the Eve gene, why does all y'all children act so bad? Why can't you straighten them up? Why are you always beating them? There's always you white, proud Christians who always say, I'm just a good Christian, but then say some bullshit like that. So let's break it down. These are arrests under the ages of 18, white versus black. And out of 30 categories, white people got 24 or 30 of them. But we not done. This is 18 and over. And out of 30 fucking categories, white people want 27 or 30 of them. Leaving us at a grand total of white people having 28 out of 30 of the categories. 28 out of 30. So stop putting black people in this stupid ass perception that they're more vicious and more fucking violent than white people because white people have been pushing that fucking narrative since the fucking beginning. And when you control the media, you control the narrative. And when you control the narrative, you control the perception of other groups of people, even if they ain't fucking true. So before you talk your bullshit, Roxy, learn your fucking facts because white people are the ones who started this shit in the motherfucking first place. My name is Eric Stone. Dorsus. You guys, as a bartender, I thought that I had, I had heard it all. Well, I, I hadn't, because they walk among us, and, like, I'm, this happened five hours ago. At 4.30 in the afternoon, a man came and sat at my bar, ordered a sweet tea and some food. He wasn't huh. even drinking. And huh. I'm still tripping out. <laughs> so he asks me what, what I presented him his bill and he asked me how old I am what is your age I said I think I'm 38 and laughed because 
you know, between 35 and 40, you just, you're not really sure because it doesn't really matter. Anyways, so I'm like, at 38, mm, yeah, because next year I'll be 40 and I'll be 39 this year, so I'm 38. And he looks at me dead ass and says, I really hope you make it. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? He's like, you just never know. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I really hope you make it. And I was like, is anybody fucking else hearing this? Like, he's not threatening me. That's creepy. But he's giving me mad anxiety because what the fuck? Like, yeah, me too, buddy. And then he started going on about some kind of like creepy thing procedure that he had done. And that when he woke up. From the anesthesia, he had amnesia, and I was like, okay, buddy, well, um, here's your change. Thank you. Sending good vibes to your health. Have a great day. Leave my fucking bar. Like, I don't want that juju on me in any way, shape, or fucking form. Like, I'm literally about to go home and do a fucking egg cleanse because I don't know if it was voodoo, but it was, like, I'm going to say, like, a 65-year-old white guy. So, I don't know, like, how much hoodoo voodoo he's got running through his blood, but that was weird as fuck. Somehow, just keep the weird shit to yourselves. I would rather have <laughs> explicit comments made to me. And the one time the old man made me close my eyes and fucking licked my finger with a Barbie doll joke, I mean, I will take that over this. Anyways, I just to get that off my chest because if something happens to me it was a middle-aged white man in a blue polo who ordered a sweet tea <laughs> sirens here are the three ways that police are going to test you to determine whether you're over the legal limit in Canada. number one they're going to do a roadside breathalyzer test this happens in the vast majority of cases this question is why Steak and Shake had to pay over $7 million to their employees once. My name is Paige Sparks. I'm an employment lawyer. And Steak and Shake was sued for this because they were having employees work two totally different jobs that had different legal pay grades. What happened here was Steak and Shake was having managers who were normally exempt from getting overtime doing non-manager tasks, like waiting tables, cooking, just running the cash register, and doing other non-managerial tasks. If you were doing two jobs with two totally different titles and different... The non-exempt waitressing tasks are entitled to overtime and some managers will work for 70 hours. Responsibilities. Make sure that they're both exempt from overtime. You may be entitled to unpaid overtime if both positions are not exempt. Follow me to learn more about your rights at work. This question is why state... You were never a slave. You don't deserve reparations for slavery. I love how white people think that just because the Emancipation Proclamation was written to law by Abraham Lincoln, the savior of black people, everything was good and rosy from then on in. But then they forget about the Jim Crow laws that they put in place to incriminate black people because the 13th Amendment says that slavery is illegal unless you commit a crime. But then they forget about all the black towns and black cities that they bombed and destroyed and killed all their motherfucking people because, well, they accused black men of fucking their white women. But then they forget about all the safe spaces that white people built for segregation to prevent black people from going to certain places and doing fucking certain things because white people didn't want to fuck it there. But then they forget about all the drugs that they put in the black communities and destroyed their families and their homes and did mass incarceration. But then they forget about all the colleges like Yale, Stanford, and Harvard to prevent black people from getting a good college degree to get a fucking good job. So there's the fucking dilemma to pull yourself up on the fucking booster from there. But then they forget about all the banks that denied them from bank loans to get good houses and good shit for their businesses and everything like that. 
But then they forget about every other motherfucking racist thing that they fucking did to black people in this goddamn fucking country. So pay them their motherfucking reparations because every black person in this fucking country has been fucking through it. And this country owes them every motherfucking thing because they built this motherfucking country. My name's Eric Stone. Sources. You were never a slave. You don't deserve reparations for slavery. I love how white people... And I ain't even shared it with nobody, but I got a call from one of my homies in prison. And I was so, like, when, when, when I answered the call, he was so happy. And I was like, yeah! I'm, you know, and, and when he told me what he told me, I was excited. I'm like, damn. He said, man, I, he said, I'm finally getting out of jail, man. I'm coming, I'm coming home, bro. I said, bang! I said, yeah! I said, I got you. You see what I'm saying? I know, you know, he's been down for like, damn, man, 20-something years. This was one of my cellmates in the joint. He probably got like 27 years. In. I'm making parole, baby. I said, what? I said, my fucking man is going down, baby. I, I got you. I'm going to show you life. You know what I mean? And all this type of shit went into my joint. Then he's Miami. I'm going to let him do this. I'm going to do this on third. And then I said, so what, what, like, what they do? Like, when? Like, what are you doing? He said, I don't know, man. I probably like about like six, seven months, they saying. I'm like, so, you know, I'm kicking it with him. I'm like, what date? They ain't giving you no date yet? Like, you don't, he said, I don't know no date for sure, but I'm coming home, baby. I'm finally getting out of jail. He was excited. And then, and then I said, so, what happened in the courts? He said, no, ain't, ain't nothing happened in the courts, but I'm finally going. I said, what you, well, how you getting out? He said, homie, I got cancer, man. I'm ready to be out of here, man. Yeah. That shit. It was, it was so much. It was like, damn. Because he, he used to talk about getting out of jail like it was, you know, when he had life. And it's like, he was so excited that, that he going to die and get out of jail. That he got to die to get out of jail. And it was like, I'm coming home. And I was like, and I was so excited for him. But it was like, I know this dude, man. He, he a good dude. I, I, ain't, I ain't saying about what he did, what he, what he did. What, I'm really hoping that this is going to reach the right audience, which is really going to be people in high school or people right after high school that are headed down the wrong path and you know you are, you just don't know how to get yourself out of it. Or you have similar behaviors that I had and maybe this will be something that can bring light to you to show you that what my behaviors were doing got me absolutely nowhere and actually made me lose everything that I had going for me. I mentioned in one of my previous videos that I ended up getting in a fight at the beginning of my senior year, which banned me from doing sports at my high school, and sports were my entire life. So if you're an athlete or, or there's something that you do involving the school that's extracurricular that can possibly help you succeed in the future, get you into college, and college isn't for everyone. I'm not pushing college on you. I'm not very, um, I'm not the one to do that. But I will say, if you have that potential and you know it, but you're kind of a troublesome kid, that's okay. I was too. And unfortunately, I didn't have anyone to speak the truth into me or to guide me down the right direction. So I ended up going down the wrong path. And I ended up in prison just a year after graduating high school. In prison. I didn't even know what prison was. I, I thought prison was for, like, super scary, off-the-freaking-rails people. And then someone like myself ends up in prison. It can happen to anybody. Don't think that it can't happen to you because I literally thought that, and I know that sounds so cliche, but nobody expected me to be in prison. My high school teachers, because mind you, I ended up in prison less than a year after graduating.
So that's not a lot of time for people to just forget who I was in high school, four years inside of that school. My teachers, my mugshot was front page of the local newspaper. And that got delivered to my high school every single day. And they see my mugshot armed robbery and they're like, what? Like Taylor, the one who was the, one of the fastest girls on the track, one of the best swimmers in the pool. Like what? Because I thought I was the cool kid at that point, y'all. I thought when I was in high school, my senior year, when I got into that fight, that I was proving something. I thought I looked like a badass. I thought I was that bitch. And I know that sounds like super cringy, but I literally thought that getting into that fight was going to make me look cool. Literally. And that wasn't the first time. And it's really hard to explain how this fight occurred, but long story short, I literally had a cast on my hand. Because this was the first week of senior year, and that summer, before senior year, I was off the freaking walls. And I got into another fight that ended up breaking my hand, and I punched a dumpster and had to go get my hand casted because it was broken. And then I still got into another fight with that cast on my hand. And when I got into that fight, it went viral on the internet. So all of my school administration saw it. And here's the kicker. I was wearing an Orange Park wrestling shirt representing my high school in this fight that went viral. So I last lost the opportunity to do sports, and it ruined my life. So get your ass on track, man. I'm really hoping that this is going to reach the right audience, which is really going to be people in high school or people right after high school that are headed down the wrong path, and you know you are. You just don't know how to get great yourself message. out of it. Or you have similar behaviors that I had, and maybe this will be something that can bring light to you to show you that what my behaviors were doing got me absolutely nowhere and actually made me lose every. Marcel Brooks walked into a state Supreme Courtroom this morning like he wasn't going to be sent to prison for 15 years. He coyly smirked at Justice William Bowler, even smiled to members of his family. At one point, he tried to withdraw the guilty plea of first-degree assault, an unexpected move Justice Bowler wouldn't tolerate. I'm withdrawing my plea of guilty to not guilty, and I'm, I'm withdrawing my plea to appeal. I'm withdrawing my plea to appeal. Although he pleaded guilty in June to seriously injuring two-year-old Devin Grabowski by shaking him, Brooks persisted and refused to sign the plea. And if you refuse to sign it, I'll sign it on your behalf because you abused a child years ago. You admitted to me you abused this child. The repeated outbursts are the final act of a case that began in October in the town of Tonawanda when Brooks was babysitting the 22-month-old and violently shook him in a moment of frustration. Seeing him in court today with a smirk on his face, it was like I can imagine what other grandparents and parents would do. You know, you just want to go there and you just want to strangle him and say, why did you do this to this baby? This baby didn't hurt you at all. Brooks was convicted in 2010 to a lesser felony assault charge for shaking a different baby of a different girlfriend. Not only was this boyfriend not qualified, not prepared or competent to watch a kid because he shook the baby up, but he's a career criminal who had a prior shaken baby case before, and that's unconscionable. Devin is left with lasting medical issues affecting his eyesight and his ability to stand and use his left hand. He requires therapy six days a week. Everybody's trying, just was trying to get through it and worry about the baby. Seeing him every day just brings back everything that happened to him. This gentleman, you want to see these cases, these individuals go away to jail for as long as possible. And this case right here, we got him in jail for as long as possible. Marcel Brooks walked into a state Supreme Courtroom this morning like he wasn't going to be sent to prison for 15 years. He coyly smirked at...
Oh, hey, Patrick, you mad about this video? Yeah, you contacted my team to have this video that I posted today removed, representing your client saying this is over two years old and it was never intended to be distributed. But this black man didn't want to be called an N-word, but you don't give a fuck about that, right? And you requested me to immediately take it down, right? So, Patrick, I see you work for the law firm of X1 Law, but you do personal injury in North Palm Beach. Working for the country's largest insurance companies for years, Patrick witnessed good people being kicked while they were down. So, in this situation, a white girl calling a black man an N-word, which one's the good one? Or are you just trying to protect Miss Little White Privilege here? So, let's cover our grounds here. Here's your practices, but nothing about fucking civil rights, right? But guess what? My lawyer is. Now, show my lawyer your little message. And in the words of said great lawyer, I have the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, and you have the Fifth Amendment to shut the fuck up. And me talking about your client of what she did in this fucking video of being fucking racist does not go against the law. And guess what, Patrick? It's not even a defamation case because your client actually did this shit. Without realizing it, trying to protect your little white princess, you fucked up. You know why, Patrick? Because you fucked with the wrong one. And now you just made your client even more famous. Because I don't give a fuck. Now, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. My name is Eric Stone. Doses. Oh, hey, Patrick. You mad about this video? Yeah, you contacted my team to have this video that I... Mr. Reed, it appears to me that these violations go back nine years ago. Yes. So you haven't had a license now for... Uh, ten years. For ten years? Ten years. What are you doing now? Uh, I work now, taking care of my kids and everything. Well, listen, first of all, this is a little unusual that you're coming in after ten years. So there's a reason why you came into it after 10 years. You don't have a license now, right? No, I don't. Right. I'm actually working on trying to get that back. I've actually paid over... Speak into the microphone. So I'm actually trying to get the license back. I've actually just recently spent over $3,000 paying off tickets and everything. I have all my paperwork right here. You pay paying tickets where? At the Traffic Tribunal? Yes, Traffic Tribunal and uh, the Cranston Police Department. All right. So are you, have you cleared your record at the Traffic Tribunal? Um, to my knowledge, yes, after paying no, all this money. First of all... Don't give me to my knowledge. I think it's a foot. You know, you know the answers to the questions I'm asking you. Just be honest. Yeah. Are you so. are you clear with the traffic tribunal? Yes, I am. I have all my uh, clearance papers right here. Right, they give you a clearance. Show it to Inspector Quinn. <clears throat> First of all, I know there's a story behind the story. Okay. I understand that. I want to help you, but you have to help yourself. Okay. Yes, sir. And the best way you can help yourself is by being honest with me. Okay. Yes, sir. We understand each other. You got it? Yes, sir. All right. So what have you been doing for the last nine years? For the last nine years, running crazy as a young child, as a young kid. I just recently started working maybe four and a half years ago. So I've been trying to keep myself out of trouble since then. And as I said previously, like, I'm just working, doing what I got to do, trying to take care of my kids and my family, my household. How many children do you I have? two. How old are they? Thirteen and two. Mm-hmm. They live with you? Yes, they do. We all live together, me, the, the children, and the children's mother. Inspector Quinn is checking your record, and I'm going to know what it's all about as soon as he finishes. Thank you. Your Honor, he has five clearances from Traffic Tribunal and one from Cranston. 
So he wouldn't receive the clearance forms unless he had satisfied all of the amount that was okay. to the courts. I'm getting the picture here that you had some problems 10 years ago. You, you were, whatever was going on in your life, you were, one thing for sure, you were irresponsible when it came to driving a car. I understand that. Yes. However, I also understand something else. Here it is 10 years later, and you spent over $3,000 between the traffic tribunal and the city of Cranston to clear your record. I understand that too, okay? That's in the plus side for you. So is this the last jurisdiction in which you have tickets? Yes. So once you get cleared from here, then you will have a chance to get your life. Often the other person Surfing will become calm, that. knowing that you're now listening. In 1900, James Weldon Johnson wrote a song in celebration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday. His brother, John Roseman Johnson, wrote the accompanying music. In 1921, that song was published and adopted by the NAACP as the National Negro Anthem. These are the lyrics. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasping rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. We have come over a way with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood and the slaughtered, out of the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, lest us keep us forever Damn, in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true really to yeah. our native <laughs> land. In 1900, James Weldon Johnson wrote a song in celebration of Abraham Lincoln's birth. CHM Takeover?
National Black Anthem! Exclamation point. I love it. Exclamation point. Hashtag Black History 365. His brother, John Rose. Get unready with me while I tell you about why I say my mom ruined my education. First of all, I was put into kindergarten way too early, which means by the time I got to other grades, I was really struggling. So in fourth grade, my mom decided to pull me out of school to homeschool me. I have nothing against homeschooling as long as you can actually teach your children. The problem with my mom trying to homeschool us she never made it past the eighth grade. So she pulled me out and made me repeat fourth grade, which is great because I should have been in fourth grade a second time anyway. However, because she did not know how to teach fourth grade anything, I was left to homeschool myself for five years. Like any other preteen would, did I ever do my homework? Nope. Fast forward to ninth grade. My parents decide to put me back into the private school that they originally pulled me from. I don't remember why I was put back in. I have very little recollection of my entire childhood. So they tested me so they knew where to put me academically and I tested for fourth grade, which means I had not learned much of anything for five years. Instead of her trying to teach me things, she would try to learn them with me. And instead of my mom taking accountability for not being able to teach me for all those years, she would tell people that I had a learning disability. Thank God for the teachers that were in that school because each one of them took me under their wing and got me caught up from fourth grade work all the way to 12th grade work. There were only two subjects I did not graduate at a 12th grade academic level, math and science. No, I don't use this as a crutch, as an excuse to not continue my education. However, my education when I was growing up was ruined. I thank God for those teachers because they got me three years that I never even wanted to live through. Without them, I wouldn't be here. If you're a teacher, just know you two are probably a hero in someone's life. Get unready with me while I tell you about why I say my mom ruined my education. First of all, I was put into kindergarten way too early. This is exactly why I don't like ESPN and exactly why I'm losing my interest in professional sports. And it's got to do with race. Oh man, here we go. See, Morgan Freeman said if you want to get rid of racism, stop talking about it. And here's a clip of a white man saying the same shit to James Baldwin during the Civil Rights Movement. King envisioned a world that kids and people would co-mingle and interact together and the color of the skin wouldn't matter. You mean the same white people that didn't like Martin Luther King when he was alive and over 75% of them disagree with him? Or the same white people that had him assassinated? Because all those white people are still alive today. So here we have Philadelphia Eagles and we have Kansas City Chiefs going to play in the Super Bowl. I was excited about that. And then ESPN comes out and says, Doug Williams excited about two black quarterbacks playing in the Super Bowl. There you go. You had to make it about race. You had to bring race into the discussion when there was no point for it. No. It's a historic moment between two black quarterbacks who have never played against each other in the NFL's history, yet white men have always made it fucking difficult for black men to do that because they don't feel like they should be leaders. Only white men should be leaders because white men are actually inferior to black men, but they don't want to fucking admit to the goddamn fucking truth. We couldn't just say these are great athletes because that's the world we're supposed to live in. That's the world I live in. I don't care what color of skin they have. It's irrelevant to me. You don't care because it never affected you a lot. But now that it does, you give a fuck. This is why so many white people brag about the 1950s like it was such a great time because white people could do and say whatever the fuck they want. 
But now that they got black people integrated with their lives and racism is brought up on a fucking daily basis, it bothers white people because they can't live in their safe space. They can't live in their little white bubble away from all that bullshit. And it makes you uncomfortable because you don't understand it. But instead of trying to understand black people and listen to black people and maybe go out and meet a few black friends, you much rather use the same bullshit talking points that you see Candace Owens and Morgan Freeman fucking use. So then you pick and choose the black people you actually want to listen to, and then you completely disregard the millions and millions and millions of black people of them talking about their life experiences in this fucking country. That's condescending as fuck. And then white people continue to complain about racism, but they refuse to go to the root of the problem to fucking fix it, as if they had to live with the fucking racism when you only had to fucking hear about it. And white people say bubble has been interrupted, and they don't like it. It makes them feel uncomfortable. But then... I like your spirit! Exclamation point. Thank you for sticking up for our black family. I like your spirit. I like your spirit. Thanks for sticking up for black Emily. Oh, the word. This is exactly why I don't like ESPN and exactly why I'm losing my interest in professional sport. Always made it fucking difficult for black men to do that because they don't feel like they should be leaders. Only white men should be leaders because white men are actually inferior to black men, but they don't want to fucking admit to the goddamn fucking truth. We couldn't just say these are great athletes because that's the world we're supposed to live in. That's the world I live in. I don't care what color of skin they have. It's irrelevant to me. You don't care because it never affected you a lot. But now that it does, you give a fuck. This is why so many white people brag about the 1950s like it was such a great time because white people could do and say whatever the fuck they want. But now that they got black people integrated with their lives and racism is brought up on a fucking daily basis, it bothers white people because they can't live in their safe space. They can't live in their little white bubble away from all that bullshit. And it makes you uncomfortable because you don't understand it. But instead of trying to understand black people and listen to black people and maybe go out and meet a few black friends, you much rather use the same bullshit talking points that you see Candace Owens and Morgan Freeman fucking use. So then you pick and choose the black people you actually want to listen to, and then you completely disregard the millions and millions and millions of black people of them talking about their life experiences in this fucking country. That's condescending as fuck. And then white people continue to complain about racism, but they refuse to go to the root of the problem to fucking fix it, as if they had to live with the fucking racism when you only had to fucking hear about it. And white people say bubble has been interrupted, and they don't like it. It makes them feel uncomfortable. But then, why don't they actually do the one thing they never tried and go to the fucking root of the problem and actually fucking fix it? But that would mean the end of white supremacy, and they don't want that. No. 
They just want to continue to complain about it and preach Martin Luther King and Morgan Freeman, but actually not actually fix the fucking problem. Stop fucking complaining and fucking fix the problem. My name is Eric Stone. Doses is the fucking truth. I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. Well, the word came down. We have to move. There's something going on. You're going to be picked up. Throw everything you can't carry in the canal. So uh, pick this up with choppers, and we're going, what's going on? No one knows. So you're coming to Miami for spring break. Here are six rules you need to follow, or you and your friends will come friends and leave enemies. I promise you that. This is coming from someone who lives in Miami, but used to come and visit all the time before I actually moved here. And I've watched friend groups crumble, and I'm trying to help you. So listen to me. These are the six rules. Number one, and one of the most important, have a similar budget. Do not come here with one person having a $600 budget and another person having a $5,000 budget. It's not going to work, okay? Listen, the person with a $600 budget is one is going to want to do cheaper activities. They're going to want to go just jet skiing. While the person who has $5,000, they're going to want to eat at the nicest restaurants. They're going to want to do yachting. They're going to want to do parasailing, all this extra stuff. And the person with $600 is going to be salty and your trip is going to be ruined because that person can't afford it. And y'all going to be arguing about what activities to do. Number two, splitting checks. They don't do that here. Get over it, okay? If there's going to be four, five, six of you guys coming and eating, they're going to give you one check. And y'all have to be ready to have one person pay that check and everybody pay them back. The easiest way and the best solution for this problem is everybody pick a day. One person gets Monday, one person gets Tuesday, one person gets Wednesday. And then anytime you guys can't split a check, the person designated to that day will pay for the check and then everybody will pay them back. That way it's easy to keep track of who paid for what and everyone can get their money back and there's no beef over that. And for the love of God, I'm begging you, come in even numbers. Do not come in threes and fives. That's how problems arise. You know why? Because an Uber X fits four people. So stop trying to squeeze that one extra person in. Also, an Uber XL can fit six people and it can be split evenly and the cost will be the same exact amount as an Uber X with four people in it, okay? Rides, jet skis, everything is in partners of twos. So don't have that one person being left out and having to pay extra or feeling like every single time they're the one being left out. Just come in even numbers. I promise you it will make the trip so much smoother. Also for safety, if you're just in even numbers, then you guys can do the buddy system and one person can watch out for the other and it's not confusing drinks know your alcohol tolerance and know your friend's alcohol tolerance because we know that some of y'all like to drink a lot and start issues and last year i watched a girl get bucked to the wrong friend group and they both started fighting and the whole entire south beach got shut down so if you know you're the type of person that be getting rowdy and wanting to fight everybody and uh, when you have a little too much to drink then don't drink too much because don't ruin the trip for everybody else Number five, heels. You literally need them to get into anywhere in Miami, including any club. So make sure you plan ahead. And if you know that your feet are going to hurt, have an extra pair of shoes in your bag or get some numbing spray so you can last all night and not be whining that you want to go home when everyone wants to stay. Number seven, and most important, make sure you're there with people you know and you trust. Last year, we learned from the Shankila Robinson case that her friends took her to a trip, got her drunk, beat her up, and left her there to die. Don't be that person. Make sure that you can tolerate these girls and actually have fun with them when you're going on a trip with them. I have a couple bonus ones for you guys, so part two's already posted, but let me know if you guys want to make a video about, like, when you're coming here, what to do on a low budget, a medium budget, and a high budget when coming to Miami. So you're coming to Miami for spring break. Here's six rules you need to follow, or you... It's time we talk about BC's totally absurd distracted driving law. In British Columbia, it is... You guys want to hear a crazy-ass story that happened last night at work? Here you go. So last night, okay, I would like to preface this with I was exhausted. Anyways, last night... 
bartending, super busy. We're closing. I'm in the office with my two managers. We're talking about how girls can't walk out by themselves. And one of the girls was like, yeah, if what happened last week had happened, um, when I was by myself, I would have been dead. And I was like, spill the tea. What happened? And she proceeds to tell me that they're, the two girls are walking out and this car just like pulls up, almost hits them, starts to donuts around them. They're like, what the fuck? So they go get in her car. The car pulls up super, super close to them. And she like, it was super crazy weird. Right. And, um, they, you know, ended up getting away. Didn't call the police. A couple of days later, she's at a bar. This guy walks in, sits down, literally right next to her. And she's like, why does he look so familiar? Then she realizes it is the dude from the car. So she walks out and sees the car, takes pictures and tags and everything. I'm like, let me see those pictures. Shows me the pictures. I'm like, glad you're okay, girl. That's fucking crazy. Next time call the cops. So I walk out. Whose fucking car is in the parking lot next to homegirl's car on a Thursday night at like 940 with this dude's car. And I'm like, so I get in my car, brights on, pull up right on the fucking car. Cause I just want to make sure it is the car. It sure shit is. So I throw that bitch in reverse, pull up, get out, leave my car unlocked. I mean, whatever. I was really tired. I'm calling her, I'm calling her, calling her. She's not answering. So I get to the front door. I'm like, yo, dude, that dude is in the fucking parking lot. Like, that car is in the parking lot. And she's like, what? Other managers are like, call 911. I'm like, all right, listen. So I, like, left my car unlocked, and my money's in there, and I'm really tired, and I got to pee. So if it's cool with you guys, like, I'm going to go because there's not really a whole lot I can do for you. Like, just stay inside. And they're like, you can't walk out by yourself. We're going to walk you out. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let's go out this way because it's easy for you to run back in. So... I walk out to my car, I leave, they end up going out the front way, sit in the manager, other manager's car that's on the other side of the building, call the police, they file a no trespassing, not really sure what has happened from that, but y'all be safe out there, because there's some weird ass motherfuckers, and they just don't give a shit, and working in the bar and service industry, like, you're walking out with a lot of money on you, and people fucking know this, like, get your concealed carry. I don't usually carry at work, but... I will be now, so don't fuck with us. You guys want to hear a crazy-ass story that happened last night at work? Here you go. So last night, okay, I would like to preface this with I was exhausted. Anyways, last night, bartending, super busy. We're closing. I'm in the office with my two managers. We're talking about how girls can't walk out by themselves. I know we have an update on this tragic story and Kim Gardner's official response now. Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner just finished up a very hostile press conference. There was a lot of screaming going on, and here are the main takeaways and my opinion. This statement was much more empathetic to the family. She apologized for the family and acknowledged their loss and said that her office made several motions for this individual's bond to be revoked and the court ignored it. She said it was true her office could have possibly done more, but she's definitely passing the buck on to the judge here. During the press conference, she detailed there were many instances where her office requested that bond be revoked for these many violations and each time the court would either not revoke it or take him into custody and immediately re-release him. And as a lawyer, I was like, well, that's all you can do. If the judge says no, the judge says no. But then my buddy Chris Hayes asked a very good follow-up question, and I'm not really satisfied with the answer. Chris Hayes simply asked, if your office made all of these motions for the bond to be revoked, 
Why is there no court record of it? And her response was, these were all oral motions only. Essentially, we have no proof that they were made if it was oral only and there's no transcript. If they were only oral motions made, I consider that to be lazy lawyering. They could have definitely put every instant, each violation in a motion, put that in front of the judge so they would have seen. They're handling so many cases. They don't know all the facts of every case off the top of their head. They could have done more to document all of these violations to try to get his bond revoked. We are having identical issues with other cases, trying to get criminal cases charged in St. Louis County and city, and they're refusing. And it's kind of the similar racket. That's pretty much the highlight. The whole thing turned into a public screening match, and this is just my opinion. We have an update on this tragic story and Kim Gardner's official response now. Circuit I told you guys that come spring, she would probably be almost indistinguishable in comparison to when she first came in. So check out this updated clip of Elsa. We actually had a little bit of a scare the last week. I'll give you guys an update after I show you this clip. As she comes out to grab her food, you guys can see that she is molting, almost done molting, actually, her beautiful white winter coat, which is why we named her Elsa after the ice queen. And she's getting in that brown coat that weasels are typically known for. Okay, so the scare that I had the last week and a half I need to tell you guys about. So let me preface this by saying that Elsa is very elusive. That's how a weasel should be. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like people, you could say. Marilyn. Which is a good thing, because the goal is to get her healthy enough to release her back into the wild where she belongs. Elsa eats primarily whole prey. To be exact, I buy bags of frozen mice, thaw them out, give them to her. We had started chopping up her mice, and she was eating them fine, and then I moved to giving her whole thawed out mice. She was eating them. I can confirm. I've watched her do it. And so fast forward a little bit. She's elusive, like I said. So she likes to hide under her little hut. That's her house. And I only clean that probably, like, once a week, because she usually goes outside of it to potty anyway. So I just kind of clean around her house. I don't want to bother her too much. So I went to go clean her house probably like a week ago. And I lift it up and there's like four whole mice sitting there she's cuddled up with. Not alive, like the dead ones. Yeah, thank goodness they haven't gotten stinky yet or anything. But, okay, the reason that's bad, even though it sounds like kind of morbidly adorable, that means that she wasn't eating them. Immediately when I saw her whole body, because I don't see her whole body every day, I could tell that she had already lost some weight. She was definitely kind of like off acting, and it's very bad when weasels do not eat. It's very bad when their diet is incorrect because they have extremely high metabolisms. They can get hypoglycemic and just go downhill very quickly. Then I tried like cutting up her adult mice, and she wouldn't touch them. For a couple days, I just started syringing in high-calorie food, which she did willingly take because I made it taste very delicious. I'm a good weasel chef. And so fast forward, then I ran to the pet store, and I bought a bag of frozen pinky mice, so baby mice. I know what's sad. And I chopped those up, and thank goodness she eats them. Um, she actually gobbles them down. It's kind of annoying because I have to buy like a lot of them and the price difference is not that much in comparison to buying an adult mouse, but she's eating them, which is great. She's back on the right track. But with that being said, I have contacted Cornell and I kind of like let them know an update on everything. Like, isn't this bizarre that she's not eating full mice yet? I mean, weasels are very strong jawed, crazy predators in the wild. Like they can take down some intense stuff for their tiny size. And it worried me a little bit because I haven't even started trying her on live prey because I, I will have to get to the point where I let her try with live prey. And I haven't even started her on live prey because she won't eat these, like, dead, thought-out adult mice. This is the only thing that's making me 
question her releaseability. By no means will I release her back into the wild if I don't think she's capable of getting the food that she needs. We are not to the point yet by any means that I'm going to say she's non-releasable because that's, you know, she's still in a rehab period. But that was spooky. I was like, oh my gosh, we can't lose Elsa. Now I'm I've done this video several times and um, every time I've cried, so I'm going to try and hold back the tears this time. There is a humanitarian crisis at the moment in Turkey with the earthquake that's happened. Turkey and Syria. I think every person from Turkey, in one way or another, has been affected by this, has lost family members. I've lost family members, including children. I feel helpless because I can see what's going on. And I would love to go and help as a doctor, as a person, individual. But it's not safe to go there at the moment. I mean, I feel so helpless. There's still people stuck in buildings that have collapsed, still waiting for aid. If they've not died from anything, they've died from hypothermia. We need to come together. We need to help. I've started a GoFundMe page to be able to do as much as I can to help. But whether you donate, whether you send help, we need to come together. We need to do something. Loss is not easy. Why did you, why did you just pay it? I was going to pay it, but I have the time to come and see you. I always watch your show, so I might as well come, come in. Come and see you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to tell me about this? Anything? Um, I wasn't aware of the camera. I dropped off my son. Uh, How many uh, kids do you have? Central High School. How many had, kids do you have? I got four. Four? Yeah. You support all the kids? Uh, no, I support two of them. I been trying to uh, get in a relationship with my first two, but um, we have some issues. They don't like speak to me, so I've been working on them. I call them every day, but they don't pick up the phone. Why are you separated from your children? Um, we had um, some problems back then with my first wife. Um, I was, I was just uh, a bad, bad kid. I, I guess I used to be on the streets. I used to do drugs and be in gangs and everything. But I finally, I'm finally going to church, and I want to get my life straight, and I want to be, I want to be a good, a good, a good father. I want to be a good person, so God bless you guys. I always watch you guys on TV, so you guys make a good team. There's something about you that leads me to believe you. Now, I've been around a long time. I've heard snow jobs. I've heard people come in and give me a snow job. I know. Something about you rings true that I believe you, you know, and you're being very what a one step toward rehabilitating your wife is being honest and talking about it and admitting and without making excuses. You'd have made no excuses and you very openly said, I, had, I did some bad things in life. I was tied up with a gang. I did drugs, but I want to get back with my kids. And two of them I do and two of them I don't. Which yeah. is very honest and really, you know what? That takes a lot of courage. It does. To say that. It does. You know? uh, my parents... Uh, separated when I was 12 years old. Um, where'd your, made, parents, where'd I, your parents come from? Uh, Guatemala. Uh -huh. um, I came up here in 1991. Um, they separated. Um, I was left out. Um, 
I just made bad choices and I regret it. And I finally found God and I believe in God and I want to be a good person. I don't want to be guilty of everything that I did. Um, I did some bad things in life and I just want to be a good person. You know, Jose, we know for a lot of people who've suffered setbacks in life, and many of them want to give back and help somebody else. And this someone from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, who his name is Lisa, and she was adopted by a nurse, by a policeman and a nurse when she was two years old. And she said during her teens, she was she made horrible decisions. She became a drug addict. But her parents never gave up on her. Like, you're, you're telling me you're not giving up on your kids. And she wants to give somebody else a chance. So she sent in some money. So I'm going to charge you the full $50, but you're not going to pay it. We're going to have the Philomena Fund, which is named after my mother, pay your $50 from a donation from Lisa from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Good luck to you. Thank you very much, Your Honor. God bless you guys. The real, the real situation for you is not that you get a break in life, but that you help somebody else. You know, in other words, it's not important that you sometimes climb the ladder of success, but you have to leave it down so that other people can follow as well. Yes, Your Honor. Sometimes second chances work even better than the first because we learn from our mistakes. And there's an old saying that, you know, no one stands so tall as when they stoop to help somebody else. Yes, Your Honor. That's the key, helping other people. The key is to give back. Yeah. Right? And someone who has, has had the bad experiences that you have had in life could be an inspiration to someone else because you can show that you overcame an addiction and that you overcame your circumstances. Yes. You know? So... We gave you a break today, but we have to get something in return, and that's your promise to help other people. Uh, yes, Your Honor. Okay, good luck. Thank you, Your Honor. God bless you. Why did you, why did you just pay it? I was going to pay it, but I have the time to come and see you. I always watch your show, so I might as well come, come in. Come and see you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to tell me about this? Anything? Um, I wasn't aware of the camera. I dropped off. She pursed her lips. She rolled her eyes, but Nikki Yavito's body language couldn't change the outcome. A year in jail for telling a lie, a lie that cost two young men their college careers. My life has been altered and shaped in ways that nobody here could imagine. Malik St. Hilaire was never arrested, but Yavino claimed he and another student raped her while all three attended Sacred Heart University in 2016. Instead, it was the Long Island native who was charged when the police investigation revealed sexual activity had occurred, but was consensual. Prosecutors say Yuvino made up the rape claim because she didn't want to upset another student she was interested in. It was only during jury selection before trial that she changed her mind again and pleaded guilty. So I just hope that, you know, she knows what she's done and the fact that my life will never be the same. Like, I have anxiety, I have, like, PTSD from this. She pursed her lips. She rolled her eyes. But Nikki Yavito's body language couldn't change the outcome. Turns out the Egyptians had it right. There's an Egyptian story about how they would weigh someone's heart to see if they could make it into the afterlife. And as long as the heart was light enough, then they would pass through the gates. What does light mean? 
It means that they're not carrying grudges. They're not attached to material things or even overly attached to people. They've let go. What is the number one superpower that can lighten the heart? Forgiveness. It's one of the most difficult ones for people. Customer service, sir. Uh, I'm very, very offended by by this book right here. This is anti-white racism. This is white fragility on full display. Anti-white racism, sir. I don't appreciate that. And this right here is black supremacy. Uh, where is it? Yeah, I'm black history. That's black supremacy. Black supremacy. See, this is white people's biggest fear because they're scared that black people do on the white people what white people did on the black people. When anything that's pro-black, they associate with black supremacy when it's just fucking education. We got another one, black history. Where's the white history? Where's the white history, man, you know? I am black history. Where's the white, where's the white section? Is there, you know? See, this is what happens when you give an entire race all the attention and tell them that they are great and whitewash their history and tell them that everything they did is right and everything everybody else did is wrong when in fact they're just a spoiled only child who can't share their fucking toys. Well, this is for Black History Month. Do you have a white history month? <laughs> Not at the moment. We go by month. Again, spoiled child. Shoot, man. You know, what's up with all this anti-white racism going on? You know, this is, this is white hatred, folks. You know, where's the, look at this, where's the white culture? Where's the white culture, man? You know, white lives matter. <laughs> Not 100% sure why I'm being asked to share the story, but I'm guessing it's because somebody needs to hear it. When I was 16, I went into what I thought was going to be a normal day at biology class. And when I walked in, all the desks were arranged in a circle in the middle of the room. And the instructor, who had always been a really amazing, loving, kind instructor, was super militant, super scary, and just looked at us and said, sit down, shut up. You are not allowed to move, to speak at all, and anyone who does will immediately fail my class. And we were all stunned. I, I get like, just thinking about it, because I was a straight-A student, and grades were really important to me, and I was just like terrified. So we're all sitting there silently, nervous out of our minds, and in the middle of this circle that we were all sitting in, there was one desk, and on this desk was a bowl with a goldfish in it. And he looked at us and he took the goldfish and he put it on the desk and he walked out and he shut the door. And we all just looked at each other, just like, what do we do? You know, like, obviously it violated like everything inside of me to like watch this fish die. And also I heard the instruction. If you speak, if you get up, if you move, you will automatically fail the class. And so we all sat there looking to each other to do something because we didn't want it to be us. And what was a very painful, it felt like an eternity, it was probably like two and a half minutes later, yeah. Hannah, yeah. Hannah B, got up and said, fuck this, and took the goldfish and put it back in the bowl. And when she did that, he came out and he looked at all of us and he said, look what the world has done to you. You've betrayed yourself. For what? 
And I think about that lesson all the time because I learned in that moment that I am never going to be that person ever again. That when I see something that is wrong, even if it's just me, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what's right. And I've done that over and over again in my life in very scary situations. But I'm sad for people who haven't learned that lesson because there are so many things that are wrong that if you're too scared to make a difference, you won't make right. I'm not 100% sure why I'm being asked to share the story, but I'm guessing it's because somebody needs to hear it. When I was saying so many things that are wrong, that if you're too scared to make a difference. For legal purposes, this next story is, it's hypothetical, okay? Um, so once upon a time, there was a lady in her late 60s, um, and she was elderly, and she went to the eye doctor, and she had purchased a pair of, like, transition glasses that were, like, I don't know, almost $600. And um, when she went to go pick them up, uh, and she'd been going to the eye doctor for about 45 years, the same one, right? Because she's loyal. But when she went to go pick them up, she took the glasses. And when she got home, she realized that the, the lenses weren't transitioning uh, like she liked and like she ordered. And once she realized that the transitions, you know, weren't transitioning, she called back to the eye doctor. And she, uh, a twat answered the phone. And the twat basically told her on the phone uh, that to suck it the fuck up, right? And she was really rude. And she made the elderly lady cry. So the elderly lady gets off the phone and calls um, the mean daughter, like the, her youngest daughter, who's really mean. And she was crying because she was like, I don't know what to do. And then the girl was mean to me. And I was like, say less, elderly lady. Um, or the daughter was like, say less, elderly lady. And then so that mean young daughter went and picked up her, um, her older sister. And then the two of them go up to the eye doctor place. And the uh, mean sister walks in first and the short sister uh, walked in the second door and when the first sister opened up the first door the second sister got stuck in the door and may or may not have broke it but uh, the young sister walks in there and they're like hi hi can I help you today and the young sister explains that there's a twat in that building that made their elderly mother cry and that you want to see her and meet her right now and then nobody in the um, office would take responsibility for who had talked on the phone to that elderly lady. Uh, so then the sister sat down and explained that she wasn't leaving until the twat showed her face uh, or the owner of the company. So the twat never did reveal her face, but the owner of the company did. And so uh, we just explained that, um, or the younger sister explained that my mom, that they had two options. They were either going to give her money back or they were going to fix her shit. And um, so my mom uh, went back up there the next day. Uh, not my mom, but, you know, the elderly lady. And uh, they did fix her glasses indeed, and they apologized profusely. We still, they, she still doesn't know who the twat was that made her cry on the phone. Uh, but they did fix the, the issue. Uh, and when my mom went back up there, there was a large out-of-order sign on the door that the other sister got stuck in. So... All hypothetical. Yep. You should never mess with elderly people because they have young daughters. For legal purposes, this next story is, it's hypothetical, okay? Um, so far for you.
starving but uh before we go i saw this challenge okay yes so three boxes of nerds yes so this is empty okay this is empty this one is full okay now i'm going to reorganize them and you need to tell me which one is full so just follow the okay. the, the box okay the full box okay right. yeah so watch closely Which one's full? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> that one. You moved it so slow. Check it. What? Are you kidding? <laughs> You're so Try it slow. again. Try it again, okay? Uh, and you'll no. buy dinner. Okay. So. I have the spookiest hospice story you will ever hear. It's pretty woo-woo. If you like that kind of thing, you're going to love this one. This happened at a hospice care center. We had two patients whose rooms were kind of kitty corner and adjacent from each other. In the first room was a man who was dying of cirrhosis of the liver. He was pretty much out of it, actively dying, uh, confused when he was awake, and he had this yappy little dog that was always on the bed with him. The second patient down the hall was a woman with ALS who had decided to do voluntary stop eating and drinking so that she could end her life. This lady had been with us for a long time and she had heard that we did an honorary toast with the family members of the person after they died with non-alcoholic, you know, sparkling cider. And she decided that she would like to have that done before she died. It had been three weeks since she had anything to eat at all. She'd still had a cup of coffee each morning, but she had stopped eating completely and she was really getting close to the end of her life. So one night she summons the evening staff and she says, I wanna do the toast now. Meanwhile, down the hall, our guy with the liver disease is pretty much unresponsive, and for once his yappy little dog is not being yappy. The dog is just sleeping on the bed, and the family is in the room with him. So the staff is gathered around our lady, and they all have their little champagne flutes with their fake champagne, and they're each saying something about her, and after the last person speaks, she dies. That by itself is very woo-woo, because people rarely have a moment where they say, I'm going to die, and then they die, or they call everybody in and say, it's time, I'm going to die, and then they die. This doesn't happen very often, but it happened in this case. So she's dead, and now down the hall, this little yappy sleeping dog wakes up, fake champagne, and they're each saying something about her, and after the last person speaks, she dies. That by itself is very woo-woo, because people rarely have a moment where they say I'm gonna die and then they die or they call everybody in and say it's time I'm gonna die and then they die this doesn't happen very often but it happened in this case so she's dead and now down the hall this little yappy sleeping dog wakes up and starts yapping at the door and the guy who's been mostly unresponsive sits up in the bed, looks at the door, and says, 
who are you? Oh, okay. And then lays back down and is unresponsive again. And the family says, there's no one at the door. So we're all pretty convinced that Our Lady's spirit was walking past his room. True story, I shit you not. I have the spookiest hospice story you will ever hear. It's I have a feeling my feelings are about to get hurt. Let's do this teenage feel. I mean, God, there's so much I want to tell that person. Okay, I have a feeling my feeling. If you guys have never recorded yourself in your sleep, please download the Shut Eye app because I am recording the weirdest things in my sleep and I don't know what to think about it. This app records sounds when you sleep like snoring, farting, and even voices. But it caught something really weird last night. That sounded like a kid, right? I don't have kids. Not only does this app pick up on voices, but it can also detect things like Parkinson's disease and cardiac arrhythmia. Download Shut Eye today and see what's going on in your sleep. I learned from TikTok that the original lyrics to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas were too sad, so Judy Garland made them rewrite the entire song. So I found the original lyrics. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Prepare yourself. It may be your last. Next year we may be living in the past. Yep. No good days like the olden days. Happy golden days. see why they rewrote them <laughs> i learned from tiktok that the original i couldn't sleep last night man i was just up hey guys so for those of you who don't know um yeah i work at a gas station we get a lot of homeless people in here 
and a lot of them like to buy a hot coffee or hot water just to stay warm. But there is a particular homeless man that comes in every night and he gets the same thing. He gets a donut and coffee. Now, he didn't have the money this time, so I thought I'd help him out and uh, cover the expenses for his coffee and his donut. Kindness goes so, so far. And the reason I know this is because his reaction when I bought him the coffee and the donut was priceless. He said, I just want to give back to you. I want to give you something, but I have nothing. I told him he doesn't owe me anything. I told him that just him coming in every night makes my night. Then he proceeded to say, wait a minute, I do have one thing to give you. And he hands me this quartz rock. It's just a rock, but it just meant so much to me that he was trying to give back for me paying for a cup of coffee and a donut. Then he proceeds to tell me that he's been carrying this rock for the last two years. I was like, why? Why did you have a rock for two years in your pocket? Like, what's so special about it? And then he said that this rock reminds him of himself. It has no value. It's worth nothing at all whatsoever. It's just a quartz rock. But the day that he picked it up and held on to it, was the day that he actually gave it value. And then he proceeds to tell me that that's what I do for him every night. Every night when he walks through those doors to come in and buy a cup of coffee and a donut, my smile, the way I greet him, I make him feel valued. I make him feel like he's worth something. And before, he said, he felt just like this rock. No value, nothing special about it at all. But because he picked it up, it made it special. It's crazy. Don't forget, guys, kindness goes a long way. Hey guys, so for those of you who don't know, um, yeah, I work at a gas station. We get a lot of homeless people in here, and a lot of them like to buy hot coffee or hot water just to stay warm. But there is a- For him to be dead in front of his family dollars, mm -hmm. a 15-year-old child. We came across this video this morning, and to say I was upset would be a horribly gross understatement. I was actually very enraged. This young man's name was Jaheem. He was 15 years old. He came out of the family dollar with his hands in the air, he wasn't armed, and he listened to everything the officers said, and they proceed to shoot him eight times, including in the head. And as his lifeless body laid on the concrete in a puddle of his own blood, they proceed to handcuff him. Now how the fuck does that make sense? When it came down to the interview with the officers, they were saying that Jaheem came out pointing a gun at them. 
and several eyewitnesses have proven this to be false, saying that he came out unarmed with his hands up. So not only did they kill this young boy, they lied about it too. They lied about it because they know exactly what they did. They know the reason for killing him was purely because of the color of his skin. And it's hurtful to say, but I see videos like this every single day on this app alone about young black people being killed just because of the color of their skin. And there is actually people out here defending these police officers for killing these kids. I don't know who in their right mind thinks that any child deserves to die by a police officer's hands, especially when they've done nothing wrong. I know that this family is probably hurting like hell right now, and it's so horrible to think about. How many more kids have to die before something is actually done about this? How many? Ten? A hundred? When will it stop? When will people finally stand up and say they've had enough? When will something be done about it by the state? All of you who are doing this are horrible people, and you don't deserve your job. You don't deserve to even be considered by society. I'm maybe younger, but I still have a bigger platform. I have a significant amount of followers, and I think it's time people stop being silent about this. We need to stand up for this. We need justice for Jaheim. We need justice for all of the people who have died under these police officers, under any police officers. It's time for it to stop. We will stop you. You can't keep doing this to us people. It's disgusting, it's horrific, and it's cruel. And if you don't stop, we're gonna make you. That boy should still be alive today. Jaheem should still be alive today. All of those other children should still be alive today. If it wasn't for disgust. Hey y'all, it's me. I just got off work and I've been in PPE all night, so it, just ignore the way I look. If any video that I've ever posted was to go viral, I hope that this is the one. I doubt that it will, but I just feel like my voice needs to be heard. Last night, um, I answered a call to go work at a facility that needed staffing help. And me and another nurse were assigned 64 positive COVID patients. Wow. It wasn't until I called the DON and pitched a fit that they sent us another nurse, which was oh so kind of them because then that only meant that we had, you know, about 21 patients apiece that were all positive COVID. You're asking, like, Beck, how does that affect me? Guys, if you're not a nurse and you're not in healthcare, and if you're not in healthcare and you're thinking this doesn't affect you, it affects you. It affects you, and it's time that you, the general public, know what the hell is going on. I'm hearing short staffing, short staffing, short staffing, and that's not exactly what's happening. What's happening is that there is a lack of care. They purposely staffed that unit last night like that.
it wasn't because they couldn't have gotten agency nurses in there. It was because they legitimately have been staffing that unit, 64 patients to two nurses. And it wasn't until I used the words neglect and that I felt like it was unsafe before I got help, which even that wasn't enough help. Now, this is everywhere, guys. This is everywhere that I'm going. And it's only progressively gotten worse the last three years. I had 64 patients last night on this unit. And this is like across the board, everywhere I go. It wasn't uncommon prior to COVID that one nurse at night in a nursing home would have 30 patients. But I'm seeing nurses have 50 patients, 60 patients at night, one nurse. And that's at every facility I'm going to. Listen, if it was about short staffing, then we wouldn't have other issues. You know how many facilities I go to that don't have simple supplies? They will have a marketer take you to tour a room during normal business hours, show you how pretty it is, make you all these promises that we're going to take care of your mama. <laughs> we can't. We can't take care of your mom. I had 64 patients last night. Ma majority of those patients were incontinent. I had no linen. There was one blanket left when I got there. And you could say, and you could say, that call state or don't accept the assignment. Do you know how many times I've not accepted the assignment? I'm one of the nurses that won't accept the assignment. Do you know how many times I've called state? I called state on a facility last year because they tried to give me 53 patients with no med aid and only one aid on a day shift. I called state. You know what came of it? Absolutely nothing. That facility got no tags. No tags. Now, I don't know about the hospital world because I've been working rehab and nursing facilities through the COVID and the pandemic. But what I'm seeing happen in nursing homes are these corporations are getting greedier and greedier and greedier. I did my absolute best last night. And I'm putting my neck out there telling you guys the truth. But look at the nurses in the comments. Guys, I have tons of nurses and a ton of, I have a ton of nurses that follow me, a ton of aides that follow me, and I guarantee you that they'll be in the comments saying the same exact thing that I'm saying right now. The only state that has nurse-to-patient ratios is California. There are no other states that protect us. The ratios have gotten so bad that not only are, am I worried about my license and my safety at work, but I am genuinely concerned at the majority of facilities that I've been going to. I am a seasoned nurse of 10 years. I am legitimately, legitimately concerned about the well-being of your family members. Not just in, in every city I've went to. This has become common practice. Nursing homes have always had a bad reputation. But let me tell you, they have gotten so much worse, and we need the public's health help. Like, we need you guys. I could get in trouble for posting this. I, I fear I could. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's going to take you not coming to the nurse's station and griping at the little nurse that's trying to do her best. It's going to take you marching into the administrator's office and asking the right questions. What's the nurse-to-patient ratio here? Do you, how often do you get supplies? Do you have enough supplies for all your patients?
It's going to take when you find something wrong, getting on social media and writing a bad review. Social media is a powerful tool and it's going to take some politicians stepping forward that actually want change in healthcare because it is, it is plummeting. We are in a downward spiral and it's going to take people that are not in the medical world to speak out and save us. Hey y'all, it's me. I just got off work and I've been in PPE all night, so it, just ignore the way I look. If any video that I've ever posted was to go viral, I hope that this is the one. I doubt that it will, but I just feel like my voice needs to be heard. Last night, um, I answered a call to 